broadcasting live. It's America's longest-running talk show on computers. It's Computer America, bringing you the biggest names in technology with guest interviews, new products, and your emails. Listen live at ComputerAmerica.com on any device around the world. Email the show at live at ComputerAmerica.com or find us on social media. Be sure to check out our website for contests, giveaways, show notes, live video stream, podcasts, and more. You're listening to Computer America. Hello and welcome into the Computer America Show. We are the nation's longest running, nationally syndicated radio talk show on computers and technology. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Ben Crossman, and I hope all of you are having a fantastic day. And uh, yeah, and we're just coming back from our two days off that we had, so hopefully you didn't miss us too much. That, on top of the weekend, means that it's been quite a while since we uh, since we got to talk to everyone. So again, I hope everyone out there is doing great. Uh, you know, not too much productivity was lost with uh, you know with everything that's been going on. But uh, yeah, happy that you could join us. So today on the program, if you have not had the privilege of hearing from our correspondent, Mr. Darius Derekshani, then you are in luck because we have a lot to cover, a lot to talk about, and you know today's all about graphics and. Uh, Everything about CGI, graphics, anything, uh, you know, kind of hardware related as well. We do a lot of that and, you know, kind of our chance to hear about what's latest and greatest and, you know, just uh, just cool things. Because let's face it, when it comes to CGI, uh, we're fast heading into a future where, you know, we already look at photos and we go, well, is that photoshopped? And we look at movies and go, well, is that CGI? And, you know, we're fast heading into a world where that's getting harder and harder to recognize. So not saying that he's like the, you know, Computer America's FBI, but, uh, but he's Computer America's FBI. So everyone, welcome into Computer America. Uh, before we get started, a couple of things, including ComputerAmerica.com. That's where you'll find everything from the show notes. So any articles, videos, any products that we talk about, everything will be included right there at, uh, at our homepage, as well as a link to our guest website. Also, be sure to check out the social media contest brought to you by Logitech and check out the, uh, the live video feed, which is brought to you by OWC. So all that and more at Computer America, and uh, yeah, why don't we go ahead and get started with our guests? So once again, Darius Derekshani joins us, and uh, Darius, how you doing? Welcome onto Computer America. Hey, it's always uh, always good to be on. So thanks for having me. Yep, and we hear you uh, loud and clear. So let's uh, yeah. So before we get started, let's uh, tell everyone about your background. Uh, you know, kind of what uh, what qualifies you to come here on Computer America. Uh, well, I've I've been in CG as a CG supervisor, a VFX supervisor, visual effects supervisor for quite some time now, and build my own computers to uh, to make workstations, and and uh, been doing that. Gosh, I mean, I think my my first computer I put together was a 286, like 30 <laughs> years ago, uh, give or take. You know, so uh, I've been yeah. I've been doing this for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it certainly sounds like it. And I, you know, just because I, uh, you know, my age and how, what I know of technology, whenever someone says that, you know, I, I worked on, you know, a 286 or something like that, like if I don't have knowledge of it, I just go, 
eh, it was probably the mid to late 80s, early 90s. You know, that that's uh, luckily I'm coming just on the tail end of technology or just at the beginning of technology. So mm-hmm. like that's where I come from. But anyways, and, and of course, you are a regular here on the program and we appreciate that. So let's go ahead and get talking about some of these topics because you've picked out a number of them. And, you know, they're everything from hardware to, uh, you know, the latest in CGI kind of stuff. And did you have one in particular that really caught your attention? Um, that's, that's a good question. There's quite a few going on. I'm just going to go down the from the top to the bottom. Sure. Uh, and, and that's, I've been mean, seeing a lot more of the external uh, breakaway boxes uh, that are uh, Thunderbolt uh, capable. So you can hook up your laptop to, you know, a Titan X card or to some really heavy hitting uh, PCI card. So you don't necessarily need a big uh, workstation anymore. You can have a laptop and if you plug into one of these breakaway boxes, you could have like a massive video card uh, working for you. Yeah, um, and, 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 and just real quick, it's, it's uh, you know, I've, I've, I've said this about a number of different things, but about computers, like we're getting to the point where we have, uh, you know, external GPUs, external, uh, I've seen external RAM holders, I've seen external everything. And I'm afraid that we're going to get to a point where it's like you have your laptop and you have like an external, uh, you know, you have like an external motherboard with an external processor with an external RAM, GPU, uh, you know, external cooling, everything like that. And then someone's going to have the bread idea to put it all in one case and call it a desktop. It's, it's, um, I'm, it's, it seems like we're, we're, you know, kind of hitting to that point, but at the same time, uh, if you could talk real quick about, you know, external GPUs are not the most popular thing in the world. Uh, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't ask you to explain a monitor, but uh, explain an external GPU and why those are even necessary in the first place. Well, basically it's like a little tiny PC, um, it's, it's a little box that'll house, it's got a, a power supply and a little, uh, I guess not a motherboard, but like a daughter card <laughs> where you, where you've got PCIe slots, uh, one or two of them where you can plug in uh, a beefy card. It doesn't have to be a GPU, but that's probably the, the, the main use for it. So you can you can plug in a you know a GeForce 1080i or a Titan X or something like that into this thing, and then there's a Thunderbolt uh, three connection to your laptop. So if your laptop's Thunderbolt, the bandwidth in that connection uh, gives you a really good um, ability. Basically, I think what you were saying before the the future of of a PC. I would love to see a desktop machine. That's got a detachable laptop or a detachable notebook where you can unplug it from your desktop and take it with you and you have all your stuff on there and you've got, you know, maybe a lower performing processor or a GPU, but it's still we've, it's still your desktop experience, you yeah, know? And, and you know, we've seen or we've we've started to see products like that. I'm sure that they're, you know, kind of niche, but they're getting more popular and it's kind of like exactly. a doc. It's kind of like a dock, you know, where you'd have your laptop, you'd set it down, you had everything, uh, right. you know, kind of wired up at your, at your workstation and you set your laptop down with, you know, it's giant 17 inch laptop screen. And then when you need to go, you unplug it from the dock and you just leave and leave half your hardware there. That that's certainly yeah, absolutely. possible. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially if it if it ends up being like a tablet that you can undock. I mean, you know, the docking stations have been around for, for almost as long as laptops have been around. And they usually just give you more peripheral. So you can plug into external monitor and mouse and keyboard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now and now what we're seeing is much more capability being added to your laptop. So, again, you can have a massive GPU hooked up to your little dinky um, and I say dinky with love, your little dinky laptop, uh, MacBook or, or Dell or HP or whatever it might be, can you really harness a lot more power when when you plug into this thing. I think one thing for, for the near future for the mass market or even the hobbyist market mm-hmm. would be to have a desktop that's got a touchscreen capable uh, tablet or laptop that you can literally just pop out and take it with you. Um, and with cloud computing, that's going to be even more accessible because you can have your desktop experience and all your files and everything being streamed to you. So that little unit could be ever so uh, streamlined. Right. Yeah. And and I guess a lot of these bottlenecks that uh, you know are keeping us from doing this in the here and now. And one of them is the rate of data. But everyone seems to be clamoring over Thunderbolt 3. Uh, you know, I think mainly it's been used by Apple. It's kind of one of Apple's uh, standards. But Thunderbolt 3, I'm seeing it on more PC motherboards and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, is Thunderbolt 3 really that big of a deal when it comes to these kinds of uses? Um, it, it is right now because it's it's probably uh, uh, one of the better um, one of the better throughputs, basically. And the difference is between Thunderbolt uh, 3 and USB Type-C, it, you know, isn't isn't that much. So USB-C is also the um, uh, sort of a ticket in well, to your and, laptop and, as well. And, and, you know, just for my own sake, uh, USB-C, but also USB 3.1. Uh, would be mm-hmm. more comparable to three to three, but even then, you know, and I'm sure I pulled up a chart that looks a lot like, uh, you know, maybe the one that you pulled up. But um, you know, when it comes to data transfer rate, USB three point one, which is the latest greatest USB standard, uh, has mm-hmm. the same data transfer rate as Thunderbolt one. Thunderbolt three has about four times, so it can do about 40, uh, 40 gigabits per second, which is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the, the, those are peak performances. I think uh, throughput USB-C is going to be the um, that's going to be the the, the capable uh, bandwidth. Let me put it this way: the the bandwidth for USB-C will become more capable, mm-hmm. and hopefully, will catch up to that kind of speed. But right now, especially with really heavy GPU usage, it is a Thunderbolt three. Um, uh, connectivity right now for these uh, external boxes, but like I said, I think USB C will open up the um, the capability to non MacBook. Right. Um, but like like you were saying, PCs are starting to get to adopt the Thunderbolt three paradigm as well. Right. It, it, it's just whatever is going to work best for uh, you know for mm-hmm. data transfer. And for right now, I don't know what it is about Thunderbolt, but uh, they really have it. You know, uh, well, and that's, you know, kind of USB-C, USB-C, USB 3.1, it's one of the main hangups that it's going to have includes the fact that, um, 
oh, how do you put it? USB also has to work as a charging standard. Like you also have to be able to charge devices off of these. That's something that US, or, uh, Thunderbolt really isn't known for. It's not really meant to, you know, charge up a uh, cell phone in, in, you know, in 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, Thunderbolt does carry some power with it as well. It's, it's all really... Um, right. Really complicated, but I think in the end they're actually the same connector, aren't they? Uh, they're they're close. They're they're certainly yeah. close. Um, but 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 for right now it is what it is. So there's that one, and I think I also wanted to kind of daisy chain, uh, you know, Blackmagic's uh, eGPU, which by the way, uh, more and more are uh, you know are doing this. I think uh, you know one of our sponsors, OWC, they were just showing off one of theirs that they're uh, coming out with as well. So. Uh, you know, we're definitely seeing a lot of, you know, kind of external GPUs. And then there was also one from Apple that we're going to touch on right after this. But uh, the one, I, uh, the story I wanted to get to uh, before we do that is uh, from the same publication, CGW, but about Dell and their, and their entry level kind of workstation. And, you know, why this kind of fits together, I assume that you know, if you wanted to take maybe an entry-level precision workstation and turn it into something mm -hmm. a little bit stronger, you would get an eGPU like we were just talking about and be able to, you know, and that would be, I think, a lot of people's first uh, entry into, well, you know, kind of workstations and expanding them. So if you don't mind, Dell debuts entry-level precision workstations. They've got, um, uh, there's a new a Xeon chip from Intel, I think it's called the Xeon E, which is uh, more of an entry-level workstation class chip. Just a brief background, um, comparing uh, Intel chips like the i7, i5 to I the have Xeon. A bone, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I have a bone mm -hmm. to pick with Intel. Um, they... And I'm going to ask you, did you see what happened with the Intel 7, uh, the Intel i7, I want to say it's like the 7980 or something K, like their latest and greatest um, i7 chip. Did, did you see what they, uh, what was kind of quote no, unquote no, leaked? No, no, I didn't want, yeah, I did uh, not actually. This is something that I covered for like 20 minutes because I, I read the article and I was uh, a little miffed, but it, it pertains to the fact that. So I'm sure that you being in the field, you kind of understand Intel's uh, wonky naming scheme where the i7 and especially those that end in K, they're kind of, you know, they're higher level. They are right. Yeah, they're they're unlocked and they are traditionally eight core 16 thread. That is what the i7 kind of, you know, denoted. Well, right. their next generation i7, by all accounts and so far what's been, you know, kind of uh, leaked about them already, is that the latest i7 highest one will only be 8-core, eight 8-thread, eight no hyper-threading whatsoever. For and the i7? For the i7. And then, but then they're introducing a new i9 chip, which will be i9, and again, if you kind of know their naming scheme, their i9 mm -hmm. was placed between the i7 and the Xeon chips, where... You know, they would have right. like 10 core, 20 thread or something like that. Um, right, right. Well, they're putting in a new i9 and it's going to be 8 core, 16 thread. So it's essentially they're turning this one of their i7s into an i9s and devaluing the i7. But but here's the thing. The latest i7 is going to be the, uh, the same price as every other top end i7. And then the oh, i9, wow. which is the i7 
turned into $100 more expensive than the previous generation. Wow. Yeah, no, that that's a bone I would have to pick as well. That That's pretty discouraging because that was the distinction mostly between the i5 and the i7 is the hyper-threading ability mm -hmm. of the i7. So if they're, they're essentially bumping it up to the i9 and removing it from the i7, this is basically just a price increase. Yeah, the, and, and it, it's definitely a marketing thing. It's a price increase for you know, kind of higher end. And I think it's, like, in a lot of ways, it makes the i9, like whatever is designated an i9, that makes it you know, the best of the best that Intel's gonna have to offer. Um, right, but it throws out, yeah, but it throws out kind of convention. It throws out what we know, and you know, between these new Intel Xeon E processors and uh, and the i nines, it, it it muddies the water for Intel a little bit more. Like there's a clear uh, step up, you know, from i five to i seven to i nine to Xeon, but it's a bit more confusing, and it and they're charging a little bit more. So if nothing else, I think to me. Um, first of all, I don't like relearning things, <laughs> things that I thought I knew. <laughs> right. And, yeah. uh, and the second thing is it kind of makes AMD because, um, you know, if people look at the best i7, which I think they're traditionally, you know, kind of, that's the best consumer, not hobbyist, but consumer. Now they're going to mm -hmm. look at AMD and go, these are more competitive than ever. Yeah. Especially for the, the, the price points as well. I, I think that's, uh. I hope they reversed this. I hope this, this information is misleaked because right. um, they're really they're just shooting the i7 if, in the foot. If, if nothing else, it shows that uh, you know by taking away the hyper threading from the highest i7, that's a very mm -hmm. clear distinction between AMD because AMD has been showing off you know their their bulldozer, their like 16 core. Yeah. 32 thread or even i think they have like a 20 core 40 thread i think they released at some point like it, it's it's intel clearly stating hyper threading is not really something consumers want and i think that's starting to change though yeah no i i completely disagree with that assessment and that people don't want hyper threading i mean the more um the more headroom in processing is the number of, of cores. It's in parallel computing. The more you throw at it, the more you, you get to it. And that's why GPU processing is becoming so much more popular. It's because a GPU has a lot more processing um, threads on it uh, or cores on it than does a CPU. Mm -hmm. So this, this to me seems like a step backwards. And, it's true. We've talked about this before. We do wish more applications, more games specifically, will take advantage of uh, more cores than they do now. But um, honestly, you know, there's only so it's only so fast um, a, a gigahertz count we're going to get. You know, we're seeing right. a lot of tapping out at uh, the the four gigahertz barrier has been really hard to kind of breach and has taken the, a really long time. The the latest uh, Intel processors I was just talking about, uh, the highest i7 without the hyper-threading just barely cracked the 5 gigahertz, um, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 5 gigahertz overclocking. So they finally hit that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, but what's what's the stock speed on that? Uh, the standard core speed, I think for a lot of uh, I think for a lot of these was like three point no 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 it was like four point three or four point four I I don't quite recall and then it can be overclocked to five. Yeah. 
Yeah, the 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 low the low fours is where things have been hovering for right. quite a while. I mean, I got my uh, 6700K what about two and a half years ago at this point. It's a Skylake i7, and that I got it because it it had just cracked 4.0, mm-hmm. and um, it it's been a couple of processor generations, and uh, you know just to see 4.2, 4.3, you know that that. I hope makes my point. There's only so fast that we're going to get these these clock rates and the power in a CPU. Really, I think there's much more headroom in parallel processing, well, having a lot yeah. of cores, having a lot of threads, and having your software and your OS be able to address all those cores and threads. And and in a lot of cases, that's where the Xeon comes in. And we were talking about the distinctions between the the uh, uh, i7 and the Xeon, and that's one of them. They tend to have more cores, and you can have multi-processors mm-hmm. on a on a um, motherboard where you can't really do that with the i7s. You can do that with the Xeons. So that's one requirement that professionals have: is give me more cores, give me more processing. Right. And um, uh, that's one of the reasons why it's exciting to see a more um, uh, cheap being uh, a low cost. That's a much better word. There we go. A lower cost entry level uh, Xeon, um, because I get a lot of students and get a lot of people looking to get into this line of work, asking, "What should I get? What should I get?" And yeah, it's true. You can get a, a good gaming laptop or gaming machine and, and do really well with it. Um, but if you want to mirror what a studio or or facility will have they typically will go for a workstation class machine which uh, i guess puts more of an emphasis on stability than it does on raw power um we can talk about gpus in the in that way as well the xeons they have error correcting uh ram access as well as uh a bigger uh, on-die cache, the L3 cache. Mm-hmm. So that makes things uh, faster, but it also can make things more stable. Your memory, your your run speed on the memory is typically slower on a workstation because of this, but you know that it's a, a more mission critical. Your data is not going to corrupt as easily as it might on just a run-in-the-mill or gaming uh, gaming PC memory. It's, so that's that's yeah. where the Xeons are coming uh, from. But yeah. there there's quite a bit of a price premium to getting a Xeon machine or workstation machine. So I'm, I'm glad to see these entry level uh, setups from Dell and based on the the uh, Xeon E uh, entry level uh, chips now. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, and and just a couple of things. I mean, that's uh, the reason that you just gave is the same reason why I don't drool over, like, let's say the Titan V as opposed to the Titan XP from NVIDIA, is that mm-hmm. you know the Titan V for you know even though it's uh, two you know uh, almost three times two times as expensive as a Titan XP, um, you know it's not twice as fast. It's just you know twice as uh, you know kind of stable or. You know, does that uh, has that redundancy, so it can do kind of your processes of you know rendering things mm-hmm. much faster than uh, you know than a graphics card would. But all right, so the entry level Xeon processors, uh, Xeon E. I, I mean, do you know anything about you know kind of how they compare to 
you know, some kind of consumer model. Like these are going to have obviously hyper threading. That's a must have. Uh, lots of PCIe lanes so that you can hook up a lot of storage and things like that. I mean, what's, um, what really stands out? And do we also have price points as well for these things? Well, the um, the the Xeons, the the major factors uh, we kind of already talked about with um, why they they'd be considered for a machine over an i7. Right. One of the um, one of the other things is they do have hyperthreading now that looks like the i7 might not in the future, um, but they also uh, work for longer. Uh, they're more stable and they can handle a heavier load much better than a consumer level CPU does. So th those are the things that workstation people look for is the longevity. Cause when you've got a studio full of, you know, 20, 30 artists working for you, you don't want to be constantly servicing or swapping out their machines. You just want it to sit there and, and, uh, go. Right. Uh, and I think that's, that's really, um, that's really important, uh, I don't know if that's important for the casual sort of hobbyist type person or the student looking uh, to get into it. I don't know if it's quite that important, but it sure does make a lot of sense for um, small boutiques and studios looking to ramp up or looking for a few machines uh, for artists to work on. What, and, you know, even the same vein, you know, just because I feel like we're just talking about processors at this point. Uh, we can also touch quickly on I think I may have sent it to you. I have to look it up real quick. But it was AMD's $2,000 uh, processor. And um, I'm trying to find out which, uh, uh, which processor it was. But this thing is like, like if you want hyper-threading, it's, um, you know, like it is the one that you really want. Let's see. I think it's like $1,800, $1,900. Like it competes even with Intel's top-of-the-top -top Xeon processor. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to find exactly which one it actually, I don't think it's the 1950X. Uh, it's the, uh, man, I'll have to find it in just a second. But essentially, uh, as far as these things go, what, what are the benefits of, you know, kind of going entry level versus really just saying, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to get a machine, I, I want something with some real horsepower and I'm not going to skimp on my processor. Um, what are the benefits of really, you know, kind of going all in on a processor? Um, you, you have a lot of compute power. You'll be able to render faster. You'll be able to uh, process faster. I mean, you can look at a, an Intel Xeon um, with 10 cores uh, for like, you know, uh, what is it, about $3,000. Uh, or you can look at the entry-level Xeon E, that's about three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars. Uh, that's got six cores on it. Um, so you know the range of options could be a little bit confusing. Mm -hmm. It comes down to you want to buy the best machine you can for the money. Right. If you're a student or an artist looking for a personal machine to kind of work on CG and stuff like that, whether you get a, a good i7 or i9 versus a Xeon, I think that that comes to what you can stomach as far as uh, cost, because the Xeon is going to cost you a little bit more because the Xeon will will uh, be a little bit slower. Like, for example, um, uh, there's a, a $500 uh, Xeon E5. It's got eight cores, but they're running at 3.1 gigahertz, and you can probably get an i9 
um, that's around the same price or an i7 around the same price with a faster clock speed. But you also have to consider that uh, ECC or error correcting memory is uh, more expensive mm-hmm. and a little bit slower than regular memory as well, uh, as well as the uh, motherboard is also a little bit more expensive for Xeons. They're all built to be more stable, to last longer, uh, to give you a more um, secure sort of experience when you're working with this kind of stuff. If you're building a machine, like I said, to be budget conscious, but you want to get the best for your for your money, you may be looking at an i7 or an i9. But if money's not an issue, then you're looking at you know spending two, three thousand dollars on a cpu right uh possibly getting a couple of them and a motherboard that can run that stuff and you're looking at workstations that are 10 to fifteen thousand dollars at that point right and, and by the way i found it it was the uh, it was the amd ryzen threadripper uh the 30 uh, i'm sorry the 2990w and it has a 32 core 64 thread on wow. a single processor so yeah, there's. Uh, and then, what's the price point on that? Do you have that up? Uh, I think that's seventeen ninety nine or eighteen ninety nine. Um, let's see. Get yeah, yours. It's... Let's hit the buy button. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and shop at Newegg because uh, why not? And yeah, uh, seventeen ninety nine is you know for the whole thing. So eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah, so, you know yeah. it's. I think all of this this sort of uh, dancing that Intel's been doing with their with their naming. I mean, the whole i nine platform came up because of uh the ryzen yeah and and amd stepping in and and starting to to punch much better at its weight class so it's as i mentioned you know we talked about this a a while ago when the ryzen was just coming out i was more excited to see competition and a little fire being lit um i hope uh like i said well and and actually we're uh we're gonna stop right there there's music playing in the background so everyone darius sarakshani computer america more as soon as we come back everyone stay tuned awesome we are all brother wolf Ten years ago, a group of locals banded together to create positive change. We took animals into our homes, held adoption events at local retailers, and talked to the community about our mission to help build a no-kill Asheville. A decade later, we have achieved so many victories for animals in need. There's been so much progress, yet there's still so much to do. As part of our year-long celebration, we encourage you to become a member of our special Compassionate Circle program. With a monthly donation of $10 or more, you'll have behind-the-scenes access to the work we are doing at Brother Wolf. Our goal is to reach 1,000 members because we receive no government funding. Working together, we can help build and sustain no-kill communities. Learn more at CompassionateCircle.BWAR.org. We are a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London? London? 
Rome, Costa Rica, Australia. Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-215-4461 That's 800-215-4461 And there we go. Welcome back to the Computer America Show where mute buttons are hard and tricky. Uh, yeah, we are 32 minutes past the hour as we continue on here. And yeah, we're talking with Darius Derek Shani. By the way, before we get back to it, if you miss any part of today's program, feel free to check out the podcast. It is essentially today's show in its entirety, wherever podcasts are found. So you can take us on the go, time shift us, however you feel you best want to listen to Computer America. But uh, hey, you know, as we've been doing, uh, we are, of course, live on the IRN Radio Network. And we are here, uh, you know, talking with Darius. So, Darius, uh, before we, uh, you know, kind of skip over, uh, wrap up the Dell thing and the processor thing, I wanted your, you know, final thoughts on, you know, the reason that, uh, you know, we're even talking about threads and cores as, you know, as they kind of relate to people, because um, I believe you're getting to the point that, you know, uh, Intel really has not been making it a priority to give people uh, parallel computing, whereas that's what kind of brought AMD back into you know some sort of competitiveness is that hey that's what they do a lot of cores yeah no i think i think they angled it pretty well now and um on the other side of the coin is there's not a ton of software that can uh take advantage of multiple cores i mean the the workstation um applications that i use still a lot of their their functions only rely on one core only hit one core so I've got a few cores just sitting there idle while it's processing this one tool or function in in uh, my animation package. And then when I hit other things like rendering and things like that, that's when it really uses the full bandwidth of, of the CPU. So I think um, the applications need to catch up to being able to use a lot of uh, cores. Um, you know, like video editing has come a long way in being able to use a lot of cores and encoding, decoding video. Um, so that's great, but I think games and other things can definitely catch up to multi-core performance first. So, you know, it's sort of like chicken and the egg, which which one's coming first? Uh, but either way you look at it, uh, these Ryzen CPUs, the thread rippers and such are really, they're, they're lighting a fire under all of the CPU, uh, movement. So I'm hoping what Intel puts out, uh, is, is, uh, going to be, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 I kind of feel like uh, a lot of applications, you know, uh, for better or worse, they I, I feel like they're still designed with like an, an Intel like Pentium four in mind, where you can only rely on the consumer having access to maybe two cores, maybe four cores if they're you know if they're really into computers, they're gonna have four cores. Uh, but if I think if the average consumer out there had the ability to get a 16 core 32 thread processor or at least the people you know designing their software knew that they could rely on the average person or the average user having multiple threads multiple cores 
then they could design, you know, applications that could utilize more cores. It, right. right now, it's just, you know, when you're designing, do you want to say, all right, you know, uh, we're going to be able to take up uh, 16, you know, 16 threads. Yeah. That's going to be our thing. And then everyone out there is going, you know, your 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 application isn't really optimized for my, uh, you know, for my four for my four right. thread computer. It, it, it's you're right. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but it's a chicken and egg that you can't really blame Intel for. Um, it, it's more, you know, hey, are we craving this? And if people get more cores and hyperthreading, then more applications will you will utilize more cores and hyperthreading, and then Intel will say, oh look, we actually need to design these things with more hyperthreading. And yeah, so it's something that I think the consumer can really voice by mm-hmm. making it a priority for them. Yeah, yeah. And I think Intel answers that by distinguishing the the i series with the Xeon series, yeah. where the Xeons do have a, a ton of cores and a lot of uh, a lot of threads where the i's don't. So I think that's that's sort of the the dividing line. But the Xeons also come with the error you know, correcting memory and and uh, more stable and durable performance. Right. So that's that's sort of where that line right. is drawn. So and and with all that being said about processors and you know we talked a bit about GPUs, uh, talk about again circling way back to Dell and their new entry level precision workstations. I mean, I you know you were just saying that when you have students who want to come up and build their own workstations for you know for whatever reason you know maybe they're you know doing it as like a side gig or something, uh, mm-hmm. en- entry level. You made it sound like you would rather have people put together their own kind of workstations. Um, is there a market for pre-built, uh, you know, kind of entry-level workstations? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, okay. absolutely, absolutely. If uh, unless you're you're um, into computers like we are, mm-hmm. I think building a, a machine is probably not going to be uh, something high up on your list of things to do. If you want to focus on just CG or art or digital uh, uh, workflows and videos and stuff like that, you probably don't want to get into building your own machine and then maintaining your own machine. So there's there's a lot of good uh, places to get workstations. And most makers like Dell, uh, HP, Box, to name just a couple, mm-hmm. have a, a pretty good lineup of machines. Some that even have the, the i7 or i9 chips in them, uh, but with, you know, workstation graphics and stuff like that. But like I said, I think with the um, with the new Xeon E, and there's a new naming structure with the with the Xeon. So E is now the new designation for all the entry level, where before it used to be the E3. Mm. So the Xeon E's are the entry level, and the Xeon W's are more the the full on uh, more more expensive uh, machines. So the Xeon E's in uh, Dell's Precisions, if you get the E version, again, you're going to have a machine that's going to last. It's going to keep going. Um, same thing if you get a Xeon E in any of the other makers, the Lenovo's or the HP's or, or the Boxes. Um, I think, honestly, more and more, I just had a, a, a Facebook uh, discussion with uh, somebody who reached out to me. They're a student. They're getting into visual effects. Mm-hmm. They want a laptop, and I think more and more people are going to be wanting to do this kind of work on laptops. And the advice I ended up giving them is uh, they were looking at a machine that had uh, more power versus a machine that had a uh, a better color 
monitor screen. Oh, okay. And you know that that brought up a really good um, thought in my mind is like, again, you want to get the best laptop that you can, but if you're working in uh, digital art and digital imaging, screen is very important. So what I ended up telling them. If you can also get an external monitor that you can do most of your mission critical, color critical work, then it doesn't matter if your your screen is only 72% of the, the sRGB color range or gamut um, because you can do all your work on a nice like a HP Dream Color 10-bit or, or uh, like I have a BenQ. 10-bit screen that are are color accurate. You can do that very easily. And then when you need to take off to class or whatever, you can bring your laptop with you. I think that is even bolstered more by the fact that there are eGPUs out there. You can get a breakout box, plug in at your desk, and now you've got a much more powerful machine at your desk than you do on the road. So you don't necessarily need to get a very beefy three, $4,000 laptop anymore. You can get a, a modest $1,000 gaming laptop that turns into a monster workstation when you get home. So the options and the choices are really at a point of almost confusion oh, yeah. to, to, some, uh, to some point. There's so many choices, and it comes down to your budget, your time frame, and your personal preferences and your brand preferences you know i don't have a particular brand preference i've been impressed for many years as long as i've been reviewing machines by dell and precision for a super long time but i've also been a little bit disappointed with some of their precision machines as well but i've been also very impressed with hp and with lenovo as well they've um, the so and 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 just I mean the the only thing that uh, that I would kind of advise you know kind of against is um, technology you know when it comes right down to it um, I really don't have a preference either uh, you know no one's really paid me yet to give <laughs> for me to give you a preference but uh, I, I will say that I don't trust very easily of brand names that I haven't heard about. And it's not saying that, you know, what these technology companies are doing is impossible, is magic, is that they, you know, they have their summoning circle in the basement of their lobby and they're just, you know, doing the whole, uh, you know, kind of creepy thing with it. It's Mm -hmm. more to the fact that technology has no price mark or has no margin for profit there's nowhere to make money everything is you know razor thin from ram cpu manufacturing and for a new company you know not an established company but for a new company to come in have all the costs of startup have all the cost to you know uh distribute manufacturing all that kind of stuff um either like if they don't hit that price point that's going to be above the established people like if they're the same price but i've never heard of them they're cutting costs somewhere, and that's either using uh, lower quality computer mm-hmm. components or uh, assembling in places that you know probably don't treat your computers very nicely. I mean, right. yeah. if I haven't heard of them, that's the only thing I would kind of tend to avoid just personally is if I haven't heard yeah. of their brand name, it means that there's and, – and, and again, they don't meet that price point. There's something off there. Yeah, quite possibly. Um one of the things this this person reached out to me about was my review of the MSI worksta- uh, mobile workstation a, a while back. He read. I remember that. I think yeah. we talked about this machine a um, little bit on this as well. 
he really liked um, that machine. It had a better screen. His question to me was, how is it still doing? What's the long-term sort of uh, evaluation? And unfortunately, you know, with review units, you, you don't get to keep them for very long. Right. Uh, back in the day, sometimes, uh, you know, I would have a Dell or an HP for a really long time. And uh, I've come to really, really respect, you know, I had one of the first workstation precisions I got was many years ago. I had that thing for a really long time. And that thing was a beast. It never, ever, ever failed on me. And that's the sort of um, review. That's the sort of news people want to hear about workstations. What is its durability? How long will it last? How long can I rely on this machine? And, you know, like you were saying, profit margins are super thin. And a lot of uh, PC makers, they're not able to, to let review units be out for several months or or just well, to give yeah. them out for, and, for and, people and, to have. and you know yeah. and just, just being in the industry with you i know that you know whenever we sign up to do reviews it's like all right uh it's currently with someone else uh you'll get it in two weeks you can have it for two to three weeks and then you have yep. to send it back to us so we can like they have like you know uh maybe a couple dozen units that they send to yep. everyone and it's kind of gross yep. but uh but it happens that's that's the reality of it. And that's a little unfortunate. I mean, people have to tighten their belts all over the place to, to be able to, to still make shareholders happy in the stock market. So in the end, that's, that's one of those things that um, wasn't the case like 10 years ago where, you yeah. know, I would go to a trade show and people would hand you, you know, they throw them at you. They would video just, cards. They would just chuck, yeah. They would just chuck computers at you. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and and I think that's that's something that that I really miss. Um, I've I've had a machine for months before I've made a review on it, and the you know, the PR people aren't terribly happy about that. But in the <laughs> end, that's what people are looking for. They want to know that a workstation is going to sit at their desk for the next three years and still be productive and still be dependable. And, um, you know, I've mentioned the precision line. I love the precision line. The, what Dell has done to that uh, segment of the market has been just outstanding. However, there have been lemons out there. They've been, there have been uh, at least one model to my mind that never should have been uh, put out. Mm. Um, uh, but the HP line and the Think, uh, Th ThinkStation line from Lenovo as well, they're all really um, very well respected, but I can't tell you that I've had a Lenovo at my feet for three years. Right. You know, I can say that about HP. I can say that about Dell. So I, those are my two go-tos. Um, but that's not to say Lenovo can't last you that long. That's not you to know, say MSI can't last you that long. I just don't have that personal um, experience with them to, to, to be able to say that. That that's something like you're hitting on something that I've heard voiced on you know online on forums and things like that, where people don't really Google uh you know the MSI workstation like uh you know that's just a couple of months ago. Imagine in two years, people are not going to be googling for that 
particular iteration of the MSI workstation, they're, they're going to be looking up what's being advertised in commercials right now. What's in uh, PC, do this have PC magazines? Right. Oh, you know, whatever's being marketed at that point, that's what people want to hear about. And that's what mm -hmm. they're going to Google. Right. So like when right. you say that, you know, hey, I had a work, you know, I had a computer, it worked great for three years. Um, yeah, not many people are in the market for a three-year-old no, computer. For a three-year-old computer, but, exactly. But but just knowing that it has longevity, though, um, right. it's, like, it's like, the brand yeah. and it's the line that right. that really it's it's sort of having a reputation. You know, when people hire me, they they know that what I come with because I have a reputation. It's the same thing with the Dell Precision line. Like I wouldn't uh, necessarily recommend people buy uh, Dell Latitude you know, for, for their workstation need. But I would say I know the precisions and they are by far very dependable and very reliable um, right. because I've had a lot of experience professionally as well as a, as a reviewer uh, with them. Um, so that's, that's sort of what needs to, to get built. So, it's... you know, with MSI and, and their workstation laptop, and their VR-ready laptop. I mean, mm -hmm. really beefy, really great. Looks wonderful. Looked like it, it would hold up, but I don't know unless I've been toting right. it around for a year. That it's yeah, you know what? You can start trusting this this line. That's like I can say with precision and with the the Z books from uh, uh, HP, for example. Right. That's one thing that I wish that I could change. You know, I, I, I like uh, we were reviewing and this, you know, not as complicated, obviously, as a computer, but we were just reviewing, you know, uh, uh, phone cases and there was a phone case. Um, let's see. We did a review for uh, it, it was not OtterBox. It was uh, it was someone else. But they had you know the review is still up and I still have it up because, you know, hey, it, at the time, it's what I really thought of it. But I'd say about, and it was waterproof and all that kind of thing. I'd say about four months after after the review came out, you know, we tested it for like a month, and then you know, a month or you know, four months later, I'm still using it, and mm -hmm. in my personal life, and it started to break, like it started to fall apart. The glue started to uh, to come off, oh, you know, wow. it, it, and you know. And it's like at that point, I went back, I did like a little update and a little footnote saying that four months afterwards, uh, you know, this thing did not hold up to everyday life. But, you know, the traffic to that article really just wasn't there. It, you know, the traffic peaked and then the traffic, of course, tapers off. And it's like you can do updates, but um, I wish more people would come back and add to their reviews after, you know, after a certain amount of time. But uh, but that's a whole yeah, other thing. No, absolutely. So, yeah, there was a laptop I reviewed a while ago where I, I went back and updated it because it 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 fell apart after a while and mm. started being hinky and and so uh, I agree with you. I wish that would happen more often. Yeah. So uh, okay. So there's that. And and by the way, I also uh, since you were last on, uh, Apple came out with uh, with their MacBook Pro, and uh, you know this kind of ties in with almost everything we've been talking about. Uh, first of all, that's one reason why. Apple has the reputation that they do, you know, that they, they are more expensive, but at the same time, um, I've heard of people keeping their iMacs for six, seven, eight years, as opposed to a lot of people who, you know, throw theirs away after two years. Uh, Apple has reliability on their side. That's, you know, they're, they're expensive, but, uh, some people really justify the cost. Um, 
their latest MacBook Pro just came out. Oh, and uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a chance to benchmark uh, the iMac Pro as well and compared to some other uh, PC desktops. And this is like a seven, $8,000 iMac Pro. Yeah. Compared to about a six or $7,000 PC, it really held up its own. Yeah, it, it, it's um, you know, it, and one thing I wanted to get to was the MacBook Pro, the latest iteration. Uh, they, you know, way at the beginning of of today's show, if you recall, we were talking about external GPUs or eGPU, yep. and this iteration of the MacBook Pro is the first time Apple is selling, you know, kind of quote unquote a peripheral where you can actually buy an eGPU for and uh, for a MacBook Pro. And I thought, hey, you know, if Apple's doing it. That must mean that, uh, you know, more and more people are demanding more of their laptops and these kinds of things. So I thought that was Absolutely. interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a good sign. Um, they're, they're pushing the, um, their Blackmagic eGPU, which is basically the same sort of thing as the, the uh, breakaway box I was talking about. And one, right. one of the makers is Sonnet. Uh, they've had a, a breakaway box for graphic uh, cards for, for a while. Um, these are really, really useful for editors and, and colorists and uh, a lot of people that uh, rely on the Mac uh, product line. But it's good to see high-end GPUs coming oh, to that. Platform. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so stupid. I, like, like, I didn't realize that Blackmagic eGPU was the uh, you know was the manufacturer for Apple. I I I, I completely did not re- you know put the two and two together. That uh, if you buy the one from Apple.com, that one is the Blackmagic eGPU. Yes, yes, okay. I believe I that's so how they bundle it. But yes, but you can use uh, other brands right. with them as well, uh, like the Sonnet um, one as well. You just have to make sure that the the card you put in there is going to be compatible with OS X. And all that kind of stuff. Where if you get it from Mac, it's already, you know, validated uh, to that effect. So you have to do a little bit more homework if you're gonna do the the non uh, Black Magic from their website. But yeah, right. that's that's how they're bundling uh, those. Right. So at any rate, I think we're gonna wrap up there. Try to get one more topic in before you know before the end of today. And um, you know, we have quite a number here that revolve around. Uh, you know, kind of NVIDIA, but let's talk about one that you really don't think of, uh, you know, when you think of graphics, you really don't think of Samsung, but, you know, in a lot of other areas, Samsung is some of the best, uh, you know, for me, uh, storage, you know, that you can get, you know, when it comes to, absolutely, you know, and yeah. in, in, in fact, I think you and I had that little, uh, you know, that little thing that we did where we both built a computer and I think mm-hmm. we both got Samsung hard drives for, uh, you know, for our computers, like it, it's a very well respected. But when it comes to storage or memory, you don't think graphics. And so Samsung is developing their new GPU. Uh, just real quick, if you could go over this article, and is it for phones? Is it for computers, laptops, tablets? Uh, yeah. Who knows? You know, we'll <laughs> see. I think they're they're uh, focusing a little bit in this uh, in this part of the market, and I think that's good because. Their phones have amazing screens. I've had a um, an S8 and I currently have an S9. A beautiful, beautiful phone. You know, Android's got some quirks compared to iOS for sure, but it's gorgeous hardware. It's amazing hardware. So I think if they're going to start developing GPUs that'll run uh, mobile uh, things, 
I'd like to see if their GPUs are going to start running desktops as well, if they're going to start getting into the the AMD NVIDIA fray uh, at all, which I tend to doubt, but, you know, you never know which way they're going to go, right? It's and it's pretty interesting because uh, as much as we, you know, we're, we're, I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but for myself, I'm a bit of a snob, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, kind of these mobile GPU, mobile CPU uh, kind of chips. But there, that's probably where the most innovation is currently happening when it comes to you know processing power and graphics power is at the lower. I don't. Even, I don't even want to say lower end because you're still paying a lot for these things. But in the more compact space, and Apple is coming out with their i10 chipset. I think for their next iteration of the iPhone, so you know they won't be using uh, Intel or or Snapdragon or anything like that. Like right. Apple's going to be coming out with their own CPU, GPU chipset. Uh, Samsung seems like I bet these GPUs are going to be for the um, are going to be for their tablets and smartphone division more than anything else. But I agree. But yeah, and, I, I, and AI as well. Yeah, and 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 artificial intelligence as well. But I'm excited to see what they can do in the mobile space, even if it doesn't, uh, you know, immediately translate to better GPUs that I can buy for my desktop. I think that the more companies working on the technology behind processing you're going to see partnerships eventually that will um you know kind of improve everything so i'm betting it's going to be for tablets and smartphones when it comes to samsung gpus yeah i agree Uh, and the more we integrate graphics into what we do you know vr and ar i think it's going to be more important and and at some point is the cpu and the gpu just going to merge together you know, like they've got, uh, they've had with integrated um, CPUs and the GPU that's already on the the i7 and the i5 and i3, for example. So is that going to expand, and then you'll have one chip? I've, Who knows? I, I, you know, and I've had this conversation with you uh, in particular, but yeah. also with uh, you know some of my friends, and it's it's like you know there was a time a couple years ago it's like why do we even have the cpu the cpu is so crap compared to the gpu uh you know if we tweak just this this and this uh you know we could have everything just in the graphics card and at the same time you know out came i think like a couple of innovations from you know uh from intel and amd and they're like wow these things are so great why would we ever combine these uh you know these two can progress at their own speed and we seem to be, it, it, it's like two magnets that are, you know, kind of the, the same polarity that you're trying to shove together. Yeah. Like they just, like you want them to combine, but then they just kind of slip past each other and they don't ever quite do it. Because whenever I see, uh, you know, the two integrated into each other, I say, that's a lower, that's a lower end PC with integrated graphics. Mm-hmm. You know, I well, don't I, ever I, think of it as a good thing. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it comes down to the more specialized a chip can be, the more efficient and powerful yeah. it is. Because when you think about it, your your network has its own sort of processor, your audio has its own processor, your video, your graphics has its own processor. So the CPU ends up just being the granddaddy coordinator of all all these different things. So I think for the highest performance and efficiency, you, you tend to keep specialized. Integrated CPUs may be good for, you know, tablets and, uh, uh, you know, less, less um, or more mobile machines that uh, require less power. Right. So that could be all good. But when you're sitting at your desk, I think 
I think the GPU and CPU shouldn't shouldn't merge. But who uh, well, am I to say, right? <laughs> Well, you are our graphics expert, and I will say that uh, it, that my last thought on, on the whole thing is that if you combine them, especially in different form factors, like a phone or a tablet, things that are meant to be compact, small, and mobile, hey, that's where you can really you know strike gold there. But in the meantime, everyone, hey, this hour flew on by, and again, I want to thank Darius Sherikshani for coming on the show and, uh, and being ever so flexible. And everyone out there, thank you for tuning in to Computer America. If you want to find more, uh, Koosh3D, we have that uh, link there but you can also just i'm sure darius jarekshani quick google search and you can find out everything he's been doing lately so uh darius until next time everyone else thank you for tuning in and uh, hey have a great day catch us tomorrow for our all linux show where we have our linux correspondent and we talk everything linux uh you know we know that uh, you guys are rabid and if we don't feed you your linux you go crazy so everyone have a good one Bye bye